welcome to Escaping Kosturberus, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. Happy New Year, by the way. My name is Rich. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my face. Hello, and I'm joined by the absolute idiot who's agreed to marry me this year. It's Amy. Hello. And you can see her as well. That's look, we're me. waving. <laughs> I, as soon as I started introducing, I was looking at the screen and I was like, no, wait, I need to look at the camera because. Yeah, I just thought that. Hmm. I was like, oh, my camera's there, but my screen is there. So if I'm looking like not at the camera, it's going to be a bit odd, but it will just have So to welcome, do. everyone, to a brand new year of Escaping Custerberus. Of course, we said to you at the end of last year that we're going to be a lot better at. Um, you know, producing this podcast and, and doing it more frequently. We've literally got the entire year of, like noted down with weekends to do the podcast. It's like, I think we did it once every four weeks. No, three, three weeks. weeks. Either way, it's, weeks. it's something. And we've actually, and something so like far that. we have stuck to the first date, which is today. So hundred <laughs> percent track record boys, but welcome to uh, a special episode of, of the Caster pod, because today we're doing a big Q and a, we're not kicking off a series four just yet. We will be next time, but at the end of last year, across Anchor or Spotify, Twitter and YouTube. We asked you all for loads of questions about anything at all. And I will say thank you for only a couple of Doctor Who questions that aren't actually related to the show specifically. So thank you for that, because I think I said this in the podcast at the end of last year, that whenever I do a Q&A on like Instagram or something, it's just Doctor Who. It's just all Doctor Who. It's like I can, I can talk about yeah. other things, you know, and yet we get to today, which is great. How was your, how was your Christmas really age? Yeah, well, my Christmas was the same as your Christmas, funnily enough. <laughs> really? What gave that away? But for the people at home, um, we that feels really odd saying that. I've never done this before. Hi, everybody. This is like one of my first times on camera that's not a home video that's edit, true, so actually, welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a good Christmas. We spent Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at my mum's house, and then we went to Rich's family on Boxing Day morning, like really early in the morning, no traffic. It was, it was absolutely great, yeah. beautiful ride. Uh, beautiful sunrise as well, which we saw on the way up. Clear blue skies, it was gorgeous. Um, and then spent Boxing Day and two more days at your parents' house. And then we came home, had a day off, then had a game day, and then had New Year's Eve around at our house, which was and really pizza nice. and a buffet so, and Jackbox and some card games. And it was Who doesn't love and pizza and a buffet? It was great. <laughs> so yeah, we hope that all of you had uh, lovely Christmases or holidays or whatever you celebrate as well. And I hope that uh, feels really weird saying that because it's the twenty second. Yeah, I know. Of January, and I hope that which uh, it feels like Christmas yeah. was like months. And I hope ago. your January hasn't been too depressing because a lot of people don't see January as a great time. Thankfully, this year I think we both escaped the January blues. Uh, We've not done too badly, but I think that's both because we got paid on a normal day, mm. so it wasn't like well, you didn't. I got paid literally the same week i would normally get paid so for me i'm just working through a normal month whereas i think for a lot of people it's the money struggles in january yeah. isn't it so i mean it's been good but uh most of the the most of today we're gonna be talking about things that you have asked us across loads of social media and we've yes. got the big list of questions there's quite a lot so we might be here for a while uh but that's fine, that's, fine. that's what we said we'd do and uh we're that's gonna we're we're gonna take it in turns to be asking the questions to basically to each other. I mean, a lot, most of these are for both of us, but there are some questions that are specific to me, specific to Amy, etc., etc., etc. So, yeah. we're going to kick off with the lovely people on Spotify. 
because if you are listening on Spotify, you can uh, go on the on the show page. There's like a button that says like Q and A or something, and you can literally ask questions for us directly through Spotify. Because we're looking at our lovely pie charts on the back end, we can see that the vast majority of you listen to this podcast on Spotify, so you have access to that really nice functionality. And thank you for that, Spotify, because it's actually worked really well for us. Uh, so yeah, much appreciated, Matt. First of all, hello, Matt. Good afternoon. Hello. Happy New Year. So, I tend to listen to this on my own as my wife is a bit hit and miss on Doctor Who, but is an absolute nut for Disney. So, in your opinion, favourite Disney film, ride and park, and why to all? Go, Amy. Good question. Uh, So, favourite Disney film was a bit of a tough one for me because my favourite princess, in case you can't see from my background... (laughs) I've got her there. I've got her three times here is Ariel. Um, And The Little Mermaid for me is like absolute childhood nostalgia. It came out in 1989. So it was, what, five years, six years before we were born. And I grew up watching Disney. Like my nan used to buy us all of the Disney films on VHS when we were kids. And yes, VHS, because that's the age we're getting to now. Um, (laughs) And... uh, yeah, so Little Mermaid was always, always, always my favourite film. However, I do also really, really like Tangled. Um, so it's a bit of a tough one for me, but I think Ariel probably, like The Little Mermaid, probably edges it out just because it's got that pure nostalgia factor and she has, like, always been my princess. I'm, like, obsessed with her. Uh, so, yeah, probably The Little okay, Mermaid Okay, Ride and Park. Oh favorite park does that include all of the disney parks i think it'd be specific or? yeah specific park so you can't say disney world okay. because that's four parks no that's the the resort yeah. kind of situation isn't it um do you want to think i tell you what you can oh, think God. about this um while I, I'll, you answer your favorite i'll do film. my film and for me that's gonna be lilo and stitch um because i have a hell of a lot of stitches across my existence i literally have two stitch ornaments on my desk looking at me right now mm-hmm. um and if you look in our bedroom we have got too many stitch plushies and switch uh, stitch toys because i mean i bought one of them and that was from disneyland paris in like 2010 and then ever since then just anybody that knows me is like stitch plush stitch plush stitch plush i've got loads yeah. of them now so we're having a bit of a clear out and donating a bunch of them to charity shops, but we just I've got yeah. so many Stitch plushies. So Lilo and Stitch is like the main one, but I think the one that I've watched the most that is very much level with Lilo and Stitch is Treasure Planet, which is one of the most underrated Disney mm-hmm. films, if not the most underrated Disney film. Atlantis is is up there, but not the yeah. same level, but Treasure Planet. I love Treasure Planet so, so much. It's a very good film. So yeah, it's going to be that. Amy, what about your park then? Park and ride. Park and ride like a bus. So I think I much prefer Florida to Paris, having done both. Yeah, that's fair. Um, in terms of favourite park, I'm probably going to have to go with Magic Kingdom. Like, I loved Hollywood Studios for the vibe. Um, but for me, Magic Kingdom just encompasses that all Disney feeling, and it's got a lot of rides. It's got so many kind of characters wandering around, and just that whole vibe. And also, it's where we spent the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween which party, was which excellent. was literally like one of the best days of my entire life. Um, because I absolutely adore Halloween and autumn and everything encompassing it. Well, that so answers a question from later probably... on in the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, oh, okay. that works. Well, I'd probably go with 
Uh, I'd probably go with Magic Kingdom. And favourite ride is a tough one. Um, Because I really enjoyed Tower of Terror. But I also absolutely adored Guardians of the Galaxy. Cosmic Rewind at Epcot. Epcot. Uh, That was pretty baller. Oh, I think Guardians just edges out Tower of Terror for me yeah. because I've done Tower of Terror before and so many times, whereas Guardians, we rode it for the first time and it was absolutely incredible. And the mute, like we had... Earth, um, Wind and Fire, September, the first time. Earth, Wind and Fire, September. And it was like the perfect, good the perfect music for that ride. Uh, it was no, incredible. Guardians... So, yeah, and now every time I hear that song, I just think of being on Cosmic oh, Rewind. What a coaster, so, yeah, honestly. Probably Guardians. Yeah, that was really good. For me, it's, um, again, it's Florida um it's going to be hollywood studios because as amy said the vibe in hollywood studios is fantastic i love the way the park's laid out i love all of the the architecture the fact that it's obviously you know the the golden era of hollywood in the 1930s um and there's a lot of big band music going on which i'm super here for so hearing glenn miller while i'm walking around in my shorts in november in a theme park (laughs) it's like this is like my this is like crack to me um so i love hollywood studios and a, a massive contributing factor to that is my favorite ride, which is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, um, which I actually I have a I have a fun story about that because when we went to Disneyland Paris in what would it have been two thousand and seven, when they were celebrating the fifteenth anniversary of Disney World, and bear in mind Disneyland Paris, bear in mind it's the thirtieth yeah. anniversary this year. So I went when it, I last I went when it was in the fifteenth year when they had the big fifteen badge oh, on the no. castle and it was just after they opened the Tower of Terror in Paris because they obviously original ones Florida then they opened it in California then they opened it in Paris although California was going to happen wasn't going to happen Paris was going to be first but anyway fun mm. facts um, and when I was younger when I was I was like twelve at this point and I was terrified of everything I was such a wimp like anything even remotely horror based or jump scare nope not interested i will not like it at all and i remember doing the tram tour where back when that was a thing i don't know if it is at disney anymore at at paris i know it's not in florida um but i remember doing that and we went past the tower of terror like round the back of it and i was just looking at all of the architecture all the scenery and i'm like oh this looks really creepy and we obviously went on it in the end and i literally just cried i had my hat hat (laughs) over my eyes i couldn't do it and similar to other things like i'm sure people have this where you get scared by something and then you just become infatuated with it like that was how it was for me with the tower of terror like gornography great word hate what it is like sore hostile stuff like that like i i can't stand any of that stuff i hate that stuff and yet i found myself going down the rabbit hole of saw traps on youtube and reading up on the law because all the backstory of saw and and john kramer's is actually really quite interesting and yet i hate it Mm. so like getting getting that sort of infatuated with something like the tower of terror um and then we went i've been to paris once or twice since then no no twice but technically not the studios the first time but when we went at uni um and we rode Mm. tower of terror again i was just like yeah i'm all here for this i'm absolutely i'm super here for this and then obviously we went to florida riding the original one in florida was like on my bucket list so i got to do that um, I bought all the merch. You can probably see my little Tower of Terror pop vinyl behind me, just there. Look, um, just about. <laughs> so, yeah, that that we was won't the big talk one about the fact that when we went to Paris in what was it, 2015? twenty fifteen, yeah, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. That I cried. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> the pit is great. The picture of us. There's the three. There's there's me. There's two of our friends, and there's Amy, and we're all there. Like, oh, this is wicked, and Amy's there. Like, oh. I mean. Like literal terror, like floods of tears. It's because it's so um, good. Which it's is because it's so ridiculous. good. 
because I love roller coasters and I really enjoyed the ride, but for some reason I just proper freaked out. I think out the, the, and then... the storytelling in that attraction, <laughs> the way that it's built, I think that's one of the things that gives me so much respect for it is it's not in a big metal mm-hmm. show building behind some trees. They've actually gone and built this entire structure and the whole story, yeah. the whole experience is encapsulated within what is a tangible building. And I think mm-hmm. that sets it apart from everything else Imagineers have done. Um, and they've done it four times. You know, two Art Deco towers, one they ruined into Guardians of the Galaxy, which apparently is still quite good, but it's not the Tower of Terror. Original one is still fantastic. Mm -hmm. Paris one is still going and that keeps getting updated. The one in uh, Tokyo is slightly different because it doesn't have the Twilight Zone license because people in Asia don't know the Twilight Zone. So it's got its own story, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant. So it's like, I love it to pieces. That and the Parisian Space Mountain is the best one. Get rid of the Star Wars overlay, Disney. Come on, put it back to what it used to be (laughs) and I'll be happy. Uh, but that actually, actually, th- that middle part of that question from Matt actually answers uh, G Champion 22's question, which is next about the yeah, guys' favorite say, Disney movies. But next, it's Jay. Jay Boswell. Hello. Hello. I should say hello to the camera. <laughs> hello. But hello. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on the Disney live action remakes? Personally, I think they're all right, but could be better. My favourite one is Christopher Robin because it actually does something different. I don't know why I got you, I say I got you to read that question because I have not seen any of the Disney live action remakes. I literally haven't seen oh, any of them. Okay. So this, But you have opinions on them though, don't I, you? I get that it's a cash grab really i i understand that there's that you know they're playing up on nostalgia they can do something slightly different they can take away some of the more questionable things about the previous films like the is it the birds in dumbo are a bit bit sus for their time i literally haven't watched i think dumbo it's in dumbo in years i think they're a bit of a it's, i know it's, i think it is dumbo there's like a some, some racial stereotype stuff there's actually a question about this on the on our big list there's probably a um, lot of them, but, but i understand that you can you can take it you can refine it you can improve it in some regards in some in terms of narrative but i think just generally it's it's a cash grab and some of them land some mm. of them don't and i'm personally not interested the fact they said they were going to do a lilo and stitch one it's like no just leave it alone leave them yeah. alone that's not good um so the live action remakes are a bit of an odd one because back in when they first started being made which was when they did god i want to say like the first live action remake was a 2015 cinderella film i think it, I think it was 2015 i thought it was, early. I thought, I thought it was like it 2011 might, oh it might have been i'm gonna have to check this now then. i can't it, remember. i think cinderella was um, the first one with lily jones no it's 2015 it you're was. right I thought hey, it was um, don't question me on Disney All right, Boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the, I think it was Lily James who played it Cinderella was, yeah. in that film. I watched that film and was kind of like, "What is this?" But there've been so many Cinderella story stories movies that I was kind of like, "Oh, so this is just another Cinderella story type film." I didn't realize that it was actually them remaking like the full kind of Cinderella thing, and I was kind of like, "Oh, okay." Um, and then I feel like we didn't see one for ages. And then the next one that I really paid attention to was when they remade Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson, um, which actually I really like that film. Um, strangely, Beauty and the Beast was one of those films as a kid that I really liked. And I don't really think that I liked it as much as I did until I go back and watch it now. And I'm like, oh, actually, I really like this film. Um, and I really enjoyed the story. I think it's a really good one. Uh, 
and the live action remake I thought was okay. I thought it did it okay justice. I'm obviously a huge Emma Watson fan because of Harry Potter and but also other films that she's been in. She was in uh Perks Breed of Wallflower, which is literally like my favourite film in the whole history of the planet. And um so I love her anyway. So seeing her in this, I thought like, oh, realistically, out of everyone they could have cast to play Belle that everybody knew, Emma Watson was kind of a good choice. What you think of her acting skills is kind of besides the point. I thought she fit the role quite well. Um, so I like that one. But the rest of them are all full and a little bit flat on their faces. And it's a bit difficult to watch them kind of redoing all of them especially now that i know they've redone the little mermaid and it's i'm really really pleased that they've cast um is it halle bailey yes uh i always go to call her halle berry and i'm like no, that's, that's somebody not else <laughs> halle bailey i'm really pleased that they've cast her in the role of the little mermaid because she's a fantastic singer um and she will do excellent in the role and i don't give a crap whether she's colored or not like that doesn't matter to me in the slightest um so I think it will be a really, really good casting. I'm just unsure as to how it's. It's going just to the come justification of doing it, really. Um, I thought the Lion King was a flop. Well, it, really it loses like, all emotion. Like while on a, on a technical yeah. level, it's impressive, but it's like you don't have the emotive side. Like I saw a thing of the no. the uh, the of uh, Mufasa getting trampled scene, and there's just no emotion in it whatsoever. Nothing. It's like well, mm-hmm. what? I get why you're trying to do it, and I get you've got an amazing cast behind it, but it loses all of the magic I just, it kind of removes the um the sort of nostalgic memory of the original for me um and i love the original lion king basically anything in the renaissance is like my mm-hmm. era because that's where we grew up um and the jungle book was weird didn't enjoy the jungle book live action remake just they're all a bit strange um i haven't seen any of them where they talk about Disney as a topic as opposed to the live action remakes. Like I know that there's the Saving Mr. Banks one. Um, I want to watch I that. I know actually. that there's Christopher Robin. Uh and I've not actually seen any of those, so I can't really comment on how they would be as films, but I would imagine they would be a much more enjoyable because they're not just recreating a story that's already been done. Um I do believe that there's something in to do with the licensing yeah Disney, that, that, i think they have to remake to the they're remaking snow white 25 years with or rachel something. zelga because of the potential of the of it going into the public domain yeah um, obviously things like snow white are public domain stories anyway but i think it's the disney yeah. specific thing it's why they keep doing like redesigns of mickey mouse because they need to try and keep mickey yeah. mouse's copyright within the company otherwise it goes to the public domain mm-hmm. and all hell breaks loose so yeah can you oh, imagine God. so yeah, so uh, they're kind of a hit and miss for so me, ben basically. So Ben Evelant asks, Hey guys, as a 20-year-old uni student who's stumbling through life, I wanted to know whether you knew exactly what you wanted to do career-wise while you were at uni. Many thanks from Ben. <laughs> Not a clue. I was going to say, yeah, you were kind of uncertain. I did photography at uni and can safely say I literally never use it. Um, I did use it for a short while during my baking business when that was a thing um, and you did work at a really photography anymore. studio-y thing didn't you that was a whole Ugh, Ugh, that no, was a, that that's was a another thing. story for another time <laughs> um wasn't really uh so no was the answer i thought i wanted to get into photography struggled for a few years to try and get into the industry and then decided that actually i 
spent more time making coffee being a barista and then decided to bake cakes and now i work for the nhs so things change you know yeah i think to answer this i I suppose it's not necessarily that you need to know exactly what you want to do like i i knew the direction i wanted to go in but i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do and i left uni so when i when i finished university i was applying for jobs in you know video production um radio uh, some YouTube stuff as well. I, I applied for tons of stuff. It's it's the best thing that I could suggest if you're uncertain about what you want to do when you finish uni and you graduate is honestly jump straight into it. Take the momentum of doing mm-hmm. uni and go straight into the into the world of looking for work. It's going to take you an age and it's an absolute bastard. It's just, it's the way things go. But I think if you kind of take that, it's almost like if you treat that summer like a summer holiday, your motivation, your momentum is going to slow down and then you will kind of find yourself, you know, you'll move home, You'll be like, I don't know what I want to do. You might end up getting a job doing something not relevant to your degree, for example. Like you go, I mean, I, I think I was working for my dad's company doing sign making, graphic design. I was working for a hotel bar restaurant. So it's like I was doing stuff before I got my, my first job after uni was what culture, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent that time just looking for work and continually trying to find something. So it's like if you're wanting to go in the direction of your degree, which obviously not everyone does, maybe is a prime example of that. Um, but just keep, the momentum going and obviously yeah. i ended up at what culture that was that was what what came up i nearly landed a job at another company in norwich um which i was gutted i didn't get but hey ho whatever um but i tried a load of things so i guess just keep keep going basically mm-hmm. keep going you got this you got this ben you'll find something give it your best yeah, shot absolutely uh daniel freese asks you specifically rich on this one is there ever a chance of any further collaboration with the great egg from what culture i always love seeing you and jules together i do you know what i never say never but i mean behind the scenes i still work with jules semi on the reg as it were because obviously jules is living that's dice and i've helped him a lot with that in terms of branding and bits and pieces like that we've got some stuff in the works actually um but i know i still talk to jules a lot um and getting to do a video with him in some description was absolutely on the cards. When I was at Traction, we discussed getting Jules to Silverstone to do um, a video with Traction about driving and racing games because we could or board. Actually, no, yeah, I think we were originally planned we were going to do like a, a video of Jules doing some sim racing because Jules doesn't drive, which makes it more fun. Uh, and then do something for Living Let's Dice to picking up, picking up like a like um, Downforce, uh, which is a board game about racing cars or grand prix there was a kickstarter one but there was always the potential and obviously now that i'm doing what i do you know i I, there's not really much we can collaborate on unless we just do it in our own time and i suppose i'd love to i mean if jules annoyingly jules's streams on on living let's dice are during my work hours so if there was ever a point to do a stream with jules i'd have to like take an afternoon off to do it um but I would, I'd 100% be down for something. I might see if I can just get him to do a Doctor Who video with me. I'll just sit him down and make him watch Doctor Who or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. But never say never. But yeah, it, it would be it would be great too. And obviously the stuff that we did together, mainly these things suck, was was such good fun. We worked so well together. Um, we bat, we like I, Jules was able to come up with a stupid idea and I would make it look even more stupid in post. So we work very well together. And I do, I miss working with Jules a lot. So... Never say never, Daniel. Never say never. Easy Haywood says or asks, I love EK because I trust your opinions to be well thought out and not overly biased. 
Well, thank you. Uh, my question is, what do you quote in your day-to-day -day life? I quote Doctor Who a lot, but also I think that means BBC, BBC Ghosts, um, yeah. because I'm obsessed. Uh, for us, it's mostly memes. Yeah, we're, we're kind of one of those really cringy meme couples that just quote random crap we to each other. We tend to just watch really... There's a YouTube channel that we specifically watch... Uh, which is called um, unusual memes. Unusual memes, and uh, well, it's unusual videos, but then the, the, co the content is yeah, called unusual. The compilation is called unusual memes. Oh, we love it. it uh, we, <laughs> we just find ourselves quoting stuff, but I think honestly, the um, the main thing I think we quote to each other is probably dank pods. Um, yeah. Because it, people obviously know dank pods quite well now because he's his channel has blown up. Um, and we mm -hmm. we watch dank pods a lot. We've missed other. We need to catch up on a lot of a lot of content oh, from him. But I, I've been watching his stuff for, for years when he was doing Dankmas, which is just Simpsons remixes. But the amount of time that we're quoting like "Ah, oh, my puck cell" and stuff like that from dank pods, and we literally <laughs> they just released the um, the plushies of the one grit and the and um, Frank the snake. So we didn't yeah. get a Frank, but we got a one grit. So now we have a one grit plush on our sofa. So we, we quote dank pods to each other a lot. So which for anyone who doesn't know a one grit is literally a giant. It's just a of bit of gravel that he breaks things with. One grit written on it. <laughs> and it's great fun. So if you've not watched dank pods, go watch dank pods. But genuinely, that's that's it's kind good. of what we quote. We don't quote. We quote bits and bobs of TV to each other, but not not really. It's normally just mean mm. crap, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. Um. Oh, I'm very sorry if I mispronounced this name. Taryn Veneras. I Ooh. hope that's very... Almost right. I apologise. Uh, how did you two meet? I met my husband in high school after he dressed up as Jack Sparrow to host the Halloween show. I mentioned to a mutual friend that he looked so real and then was introduced. 18 years Aww. and we're still together. That's really lovely. Um, I know a few other people have also asked this question. Yeah, TJC so, um, on Spotify and also Misha Peer on Twitter asked the exact same thing. So, so thank you. So we met um, almost uh, just over nine years ago uh, at yeah. university uh, because Amy and I both went to Coventry University. Amy was studying photography. I was studying media production. Um, and because of the courses we did, they, there was media production, media and communications, media and journalism and photography. They were kind of grouped together in a four because every year there was a module where all four of these courses would come together and we get put into groups like between courses. So it's kind of like fate was going to bring us together eventually because mm. we were on the same, we were on kind of part sister courses kind of sort of not really but the yeah, reason so the reason that amy and i met is because we both joined the musical theater society because we're yeah. both big theater nuts and um yeah we we both joined musical theater and we we kind of properly first started talking in like late november december i think yeah we met at the christmas party that was when we really properly. started we'd, talking we'd met a little bit before that um what? but you had a girlfriend and you and, were trying uh, to nod funnily, my roommate funnily enough i was trying to get on with your best mate <laughs> which didn't go anywhere um and then you and your girlfriend split me and you kind of it wasn't like we talked because you split it was no just no no we just obviously we talking from, after that. from all the stuff that we've done together you could kind of tell we would just click and then yeah, yeah we, we started talking so, over christmas when you went to vegas and then come January, yeah. um, we, we, we started sort of seeing each other. And then, yeah, we made it official then. We, uh, so, the, believe it or not, the first time we had a individual date was actually watching the last three episodes of Eccleston's series in your flat at uni, wasn't it? Was it was indeed, so. so. <laughs> I think it's called Come Full, 
full circle yeah. a little bit. And then, yeah, we, we, we lived together in our third year and we've been together ever since. Yeah, Ugh, nine years gross. we were together. On and, we're getting, and we're getting married this year. We are. That's horrid, honestly. I know, grim. <laughs> Katie De- Delith asks, on a scale of one to ten, what is your favourite colour of the alphabet? Go on, Ames, you got this. What's your favourite colour of the alphabet? On a scale of one to ten? <laughs> but surely... What? I'm so confused. Please don't break me like Katie, this. thank you for my that. Favorite, my favourite colour of the alphabet is 18. Well, well done. Well done. <laughs> Kia asks, having studied creative writing and drama at uni, I truly appreciate your insights into storytelling. If you could write, direct, act in any non-Who production or franchise, what would it be and why? Uh, oh, I do know. What, I know. I know this straight away. I've always, as, as much as it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment because it's the Wizarding World, but I would genuinely love to be able to do, like, show run, a series, like a limited series, um, about the uh, or about the auras of Azkaban, like basically mm. like a wizard, a Wizarding World police procedural, like NCIS but wizards. Like, really just cool. called Azkaban. Like, I'd do that. Yeah. I want to do that. I leave, like, modern-day Britain, like, very sort of gritty, kind of like... A bit like a, a, a CW kind of show, but with less crap um, mm. uh, CGI and, and writing. But something like that, probably. I Just something different in, in the Potterverse would be quite cool. Yeah. Mine would probably be something similar to things like Perks of Being a Wallflower or... Um, your typical kind of teen movies and stuff like that because I'm a real sucker for just like good You're old watching some schlock on Netflix, teen aren't you? Stuff like I watch kind of rubbish and things like that. So mine would probably be I'd probably write though because I'm not an actor. Um, I'm not really a good director either, <laughs> so it would be probably a writing thing for me. Uh, Lawrence Gill yep. asks. How much slash often do you watch classic Doctor Who and what is your favourite classic Who story? I feel like, Lawrence, that, that you should know this for me. It's Remembrance of the Daleks from 1988. Uh, mm. And honestly, classic Who is the, the part of me that makes me a fake Doctor Who fan because I haven't <laughs> watched tons of classic Who. I've watched good amounts of it, I'll be honest, pr- predominantly Dalek stories. But... Mm. Going back and watching Classic Who, I've almost never had the urge to do it, as bad as that might sound to some people. Like I know that some people like live and breathe Doctor Who, and as much as I love the show to bits, I am not that kind of person. Like no. the people whose entire like Twitter personas is just Doctor Who. It's like I think it's exhausting. So I I don't have that same vibe. I'm not watching the show constantly. And to be honest, I can't watch the show of New Who just randomly because we're doing ek so but that kind of paces it better i i've been i will say though i have been i've made it my mission this year to pick up the last couple of dalek stories that are available on dvd from the classic era to to have yeah like literally this week i got um day of the daleks and death death to the daleks from the john pertwee era so i think i've only got the daleks the original dalek story uh the chase and planet of the daleks left to get but all three of those come in box sets of the original like you know the the gray box art classic dvds so i've got to buy like basically like six or seven whole dvds to get three and it's like mm. okay whatever um but yeah classic who was not 
I don't go back and watch it all that frequently. I've been making you watch um, basically from Genesis onwards to get yeah, to get I can't really to get Genesis in, and now you've watched that. And then Destiny is like eh, okay, but then we've got Resurrection yeah. next, um, which is very good, and we're getting into the mm-hmm. depths of the Dalek Civil War. So yeah, Classic Who is not something that I'm going through. Like I don't have the urge to watch it all. I don't pay for BritBox, so while it is e- it is easily accessible to me um in some capacity yeah i just haven't had the 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 real want to go back and like take in more of doctor who like i know the new era very well but classic who Mm. not so much so hannah Schilling asks in harry potter and the philosopher's stone what task could you assign yourselves to be the best at out of flying on a broom to find the right key giant wizard's chess or getting past fluffy oh jesus christ well there's two Um, of us so one of you know we're going to fail at one of them I mean, mine is not going to be chess at all because I suck at forward thinking. I would probably go with flying on a broom for me, mainly because I I love dogs, but I, sh- I am awful at playing music. <laughs> um, so it would have to be flying on a broom. In which case, then really. I'll have to take the... Uh, I'm going to play the Tetris theme on piano to put Fluffy to sleep and then... We'll do I'll that. do some chess, I suppose. I mean, the the chess the chess mini games on the PS One Harry Potter game. Oh my god, I hated them mm-hmm. so much to get to the boss fight with Voldemort. Oh my goodness me. Oh god. Uh, Jessica says, "Question for you both: If you could have lunch with any famous person, dead or alive, and talk to them about anything, who would it be and why?" John Wardley. <laughs> I knew you were. <laughs> In case you don't know, John Wardley is like the godfather of British theme parks. Like he is the man who made, arguably made Alton Towers what it is today. And he's, his, mm-hmm. his work is incredible. He is still going. He's in his 70s and they just, they won't, they won't just let him retire. He, re- he apparently retired many years ago, but he just keeps going. So he's the man who, who designed Oblivion, Air, Nemesis, um, he consulted on things like 13. I think he consulted on Wicker Man and he's also consulting on obviously the fact that Nemesis is being retracked at the moment at Alden Towers and also whatever's next, which hasn't been confirmed as Secret Weapon 9 yet, but more than likely will be. It's apparently it's an indoor coaster at, right. at Alden Towers being built at the moment. So yeah, he's a big he's a big um, engineering guy. He is, interestingly, his background actually came from theatre, like stage management and stuff like that. And then he got into doing He's done uh, special effects for the Bond films back in the day, and that, and then obviously he then mm-hmm. went into theme parks. So, I feel like he and I could chat bollocks for Britain. So John Wardley, you probably could. Um. Oh, this is quite a toughie because I'm sat here like, do I just go for the people that I simp over? I was going to say, you are going to be genuinely interesting. Eat Darren Chris um, for lunch. Well, do you know? I thought about it, but legitimately, I think my answer might been leaning more towards Miley Cyrus um which is a bit left field but I loved absolutely loved her on Hannah Montana as a kid um I even got her autobiography that she wrote when she was oh she must have been like coming up to her late teens early 20s when she wrote it um and I read that thing to death so I'd probably sit down with Miley Cyrus and kind of be like, yo, how's your life? Like, how have things evolved? Like, 
how was it when you first started in the industry compared to now like what about Liam like how stuff with that like you know just I'd be really interested to dive into her life from a really personal perspective and just find out who she is as a person because I have massive amounts of respect for her um so I think she'd be really interesting fair enough so Marina asks what's both your favorite video game movies and why I think you know mine I mean it's if it's oh, Marina. Yeah. If this is Marina yeah, that yeah, we it's know, Marina, Marina. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hi, Marina. Hello. <laughs> um, and also, if you could pick a video game that hasn't been yet adapted to the big screen, what would you choose? Favorite video game movie? <laughs> Dog's Life. Dog- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll message uh, I'll message Mr. Braben and Mr. Watts yeah, uh, tomorrow <laughs> because they are literally my bosses at Frontier. And I'll be like, hey, do you uh, want to? Uh, I mean, the game was published by Sony, so they've assumedly they've got the rights. So mm. Sony have their own film studio. So I suppose we should make a Dog's Life the movie. <laughs> I'll pitch that to to to, to Johnny tomorrow. Dog's uh, Life. I try to think about favorite favorite movie. I mean, I would probably agree with Marina that the Sonic movies are excellent. They are they're they are, they almost they've got no right to be as good as they are, even though they're still mm-hmm. very tongue in cheek. But it just works. Um, Detective Pikachu is brilliant. Oh, I like um, that one. And I I did quite enjoy the first Resident Evil. I've not watched any of the other ones, but the first Resident Evil film is so schlocky and camp and crap. I love it. Mm. Um, as for what would like to see, Amy says a dog's life. J.J. Abrams, <laughs> and apparently this is still on the cards. Apparently J.J. Abrams has the license to make a Portal movie. Oh. And there was, a, there was a document released only a couple of weeks ago saying like, here's all the projects that I think it's Sony... I don't know exactly, but they've got in the works. And at the bottom, it's like unknown dates, blah, 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 Portal. So it's still on the cards, like a Portal movie or a Half-Life movie. Fallout's getting a TV series on Amazon, which I hope to God is good yeah. because I love Fallout. The Last um, of Us has just the Last got a TV got series. Their series, which I'm sure I'll watch eventually. I'm not that fussed about watching it, but I'm glad it's doing well. Mm. And as all the Atlas is saying, breaking the curse of video game adaptations it's like have you seen the was it the castlevania thing the the league of legends yeah. anime apparently fantastic cyberpunk edge runners is apparently really good mm-hmm. so it's like okay that's a bit of a clickbait title but okay but yeah um fallout half-life portal uh there's a lot of stuff to look forward to i'll, I'll say that yeah, much I'd but video agree. game adaptations it's gonna be good yeah uh dr Hoovian. i almost read that as drovian drovian <laughs> Uh, Dr. Hoovian asks, what keeps you going in life? Pardon the soppiness, but Amy. Oh. <laughs> Genu- right. Genuinely. <laughs> the reason she's still here, the reason we're getting married, is genuinely because I don't think I would be where I am today. Getting the jobs I've had, having the confidence to do what I do, if it wasn't for Amy being there for me. All right. Stop it. Calm it down. <laughs> genuinely, like genuinely. And that, that and just having that, that personal motivation to just keep going forwards. I'm, I'm someone that wants to keep sort of moving up. I, I don't want to sort of stagnate where I am, um, which is honestly one of the reasons I left what culture in the end. But um, yeah. yeah, where I am now, I, I'm happy. Uh, I know that there's good progression. So that that is a big thing for me for, for knowing that I can continue to, to move up where I am. Um, but also having having Amy with me genuinely genuinely keeps me going way more than I You're think so way more than I think you realise, Miss <laughs> Parsons. Oh, thank what you. What about you? And why um, is it me? 
Is it? Well, I was going to say, is it awful now if I don't say you, no. my dog? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's no. fair enough. I, I mean, obviously, you are incredibly important to my life. Um, but just as a general, for me, it is my entire family and friends network. Yeah. Um, including you, obviously. But like, which one am I, family or friend? I, both Uh, (laughs) if like for me personally if I didn't have my mum my dad and my sister things would be a hell of a lot different for me my mum is literally my best friend on this entire planet Mm -hmm. um and my dad is probably one of the loveliest people you'll ever meet he loves us to death my sister although when we were younger you know you that's just how it is when you're young yeah we get on so well now and we're really close and also my dogs, you know, they are incredible. Uh, shout out to Joey and Fish. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> but yes, my dog is called Fish. Um, I don't think I would be in the same position I would be in without their support, without your support, because I think about them all the time and I just think, like, am I doing what is best for me? And, you know, will they be proud of me? And the answer is always yes. Um, you know, I was messaging my mum the other day for some advice on job stuff and she was like, whatever you do, I will always be proud of you no matter what. And I was just like, <laughs> you're going to make me cry. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's family, friends, just generally keeping everyone as a whole. Nice. Really so nice. I'm going to butch this as well. Yoin, something on 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 spotify i hope i haven't completely butchered that yeah very sorry about that asks what is the best film sequel and why is it paddington 2 i love paddington 2 i haven't seen either of them and i disagree the best film sequel is spider-man 2 but is it as good as paddington 2 okay okay (laughs) is it as good as spy kids 2 the island of lost dreams Spy Kids 3 was better. Mm, I wouldn't go that far. Mm, but is it as good as Shrek 2? Shrek 2 is one of the best sequels <laughs> of all time. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Back to the Future 2. Not everyone mm-hmm. is, but I love Back to the Future 2. That was another one. Oh, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. I mean, nah, the first one with Scooby-Doo was better. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, probably, but I, uh, yeah, I love those films so much. I do love Paddington 2. Me and my mum love sitting down and watching Paddington 2 Aww. together. So I get it. So we're um, on to Twitter questions now. We've we've done the we Spotify question, so thank you, Spotify listeners. Twitter. Uh, Misha Peer asks you specifically, Rich. Hello. Your Twitter handle is a reference to tap dance. Do tell us more. Ah, well. So, yeah, I when I was young, I did dance classes because my mum uh, was a dance and drama teacher, and I went to the same dance school that my mum went to. And I did. I started when I was three because that's usually the age you can start dance classes. Two, even. Um, I think it must have been three. Uh, and I obviously either didn't say no because I enjoyed it, or was scared of my mother and didn't say no in, you know, to to, to save my bacon. Um, and I continued to do dance classes for fifteen years until I was eighteen. So I I sort of majored. I say majored. Technically, my highest qualification in dance is in ballet, actually. Um, but tap and contemporary stuff was always my strongest my strongest genre and pick up change toe is a selection of tap steps that's genuinely what that username came from and while i do not dance anymore i don't perform anymore and i miss it very much uh yeah i used i am a trained dancer fun fact 
I did ballet. And no, I didn't wear a tutu. Men don't wear tutus. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Misha asks again. Misha's got a couple of questions. Amy, I don't remember if it's been discussed, but since you're such a David Tennant simp, have you watched Good Omens and what are your thoughts? Uh, this is a very quick answer. No. Um, I have I'm watched I've watched like one episode of Good Omens and I was like, eh, I'm not I'm not um, invested in this, so I haven't watched it. It's I've heard not it's really good, the sort of thing that appeals but... to me. I have watched David Tennant in many other things. Um but unfortunately, I've not watched Good Omens, I'm afraid. So apologies, oh, well. I can't really answer that. Misha's last question is, what is your favourite holiday? I mean... I said, we basically <laughs> answered this one. Well, you basically answered this one. Yeah, Halloween is just incredible. I love the vibes, the autumn vibes. I just oh, Let me drown in it, please. I love it. Uh, what's your favourite holiday, Rich? Probably Christmas. Um, yeah. I love the vibes of Christmas and decorating the house and all the Christmas music and getting a chance to be with all like family and seeing people. I love it. And, and giving people gifts is nice. I'm terrible at buying people gifts, but I love giving people gifts. Mm-hmm. So Zappafan asks Amy specifically, can Amy tell us more information about the charity she did her haircut for? Is there any way we can donate or do similar for the charity? And what is the charity? I believe it was Wigs for Ill Children. Yes. So uh, the charity that I did my haircut for is called the Little Princess Trust. Um, I believe they're based in the UK um, and it is the primary charity to donate um, hair for kids with cancer um, or alopecia or any kind of disease that causes kids to lose their hair. Um, So when I cut my hair my hair was 31 inches long um for anybody that can't really reference that it was from here down to literally i could sit on it um and i got it cut to about here when i had it cut off and i cut where is where is here for the people listening and not watching oh yeah so um (laughs) for the people not watching here is my collarbone so i got it cut from basically my butt cheeks to my collarbone which was about 17 inches of hair um which I believe the minimum donation of hair you can make to this charity is seven inches. So if you have seven inches of hair that you don't think you need, make sure it's in good condition and it's not too much of a funky colour. If it's bleached, it's fine. It's just got to be in good condition um, because it's a natural colour, so that's fine. Uh, And then you can donate it. Just go to your hairdresser, just say, I'm doing a little Princess Trust. You can sign up online. I literally, it took me like five minutes. They send you a form, you fill the form in, and then you send your hair off in a like sealed envelope. They sent me a little badge, which you can just about see it on my screen there, which says the Little Princess Trust. Um, How much did you raise for it in the end? So in the end, I think it was £620. That's incredible. Um, And the amount uh, it costs to make one wig for somebody suffering is 550. So that was my goal, Um, which uh, the reason I made so much money on it, I think, was because I'd had long hair ever since I was a little kid, like literally since I started growing my hair. Um, So for me, it was a big thing to have it all cut off and no one had ever seen me with short hair. So, yeah, if you want to donate, just search for the Little Princess Trust online. You can probably donate directly to them. Um, alternatively, if anybody follows me on Instagram, I do have a highlight in my story of my haircut for the Little Princess Trust, so you could probably see a bit more info on there. Nice. Zappafan actually has a couple of questions, it seems. Yeah, so uh, his next one is, is it necessary to hear the big finish items or is it not necessary? No, it's not. Um, I really appreciate what Big Finish 
do like they give obviously i think there's also an extent that they give they give actors work because Mm -hmm. you know i hate to say it but you don't really see many of the old doctor who actors doing much like bigger stuff they obviously do get to do dribs and drabs but i mean i think the biggest thing i can think of is like sylvester mccoy being in the hobbit films that's about it um but like they they continue to give those actors work for stuff that they love to do they continue stories and relationships they explore new ideas um people always cite um colin baker's doctor who was not all that liked during his tenure as the doctor in the 80s but they have a lot more respect for the character now because of the big finish almost doing him more justice hence why so many people have been saying get jodie whittaker on big finish hopefully they can do her justice um as whether it's overtly necessary again no there are elements of of storylines and stuff that that can get brought into the show but i don't think you're overtly missing out if you're not listening to big finish i'll be honest i barely listen to big finish i know that eccleston is back i've listened to a couple of parts but i haven't had i've never been one for audio dramas really so i really should listen to the, the eccleston stuff because he's my boy but yeah i just i just haven't so don't feel like yeah. you're missing out if you're not listening to big finish also it is expensive it's not they're not cheap um right. and they're they're so constant they just keep on going and it's amazing they still do all this stuff but yeah it's it's not cheap to keep on top of but don't feel left out there are some really good things you can listen to and there is a question about some big finish stuff in a bit um but don't feel you're missing out if you're not listening to big finish no. And Zappa fans' final question is: Are you having a Doctor Who themed wedding? The answer to that one, Zappa fan, is definitely hell not. no. <laughs> we do have a table called Scarrow, yeah. but that's it. But there was a thing in my family. They were like, "You're not having a Harry Potter themed wedding." And I was like, "God no!" Our wedding is not overtly themed. It's autumnal. It's kind of minimal. And then there are there are elements like table names, and we've got like a monogram that I designed for our wedding that actually has got a TARDIS and a lightning bolt on it for Doctor and Harry Potter. But otherwise, that's about it. It's it's a very tasteful inclusion of pop culture stuff apart from the time machine DeLorean that will be parked outside the venue on the day. That's kind of as sort of explicitly look at this dumb stuff that we've really gone with this wedding yeah docky who oh, do- oh god <clears throat> docky docky who docky who asks have you seen bojack horseman if so what was your opinion on no. it no sorry docky who not watched it <laughs> um john simply says how are you guys yeah doing all right as i, feel I like, said is the- that john that's that's not John, your John. No, 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 that's somebody else. Oh, I was going to say. No, no, I, I, we said this at the top of the podcast, to be honest. We're, we're doing well. We've avoided the January blues, just getting on with the grind. Obviously, I'm now sort of, I don't want to say balls deep in the new job, but I just said it, balls deep in the new job. So, you know, getting <laughs> on with things. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I am a couple of weeks away from starting a new uh, job. I feel like I literally say that on every single episode of the podcast. <laughs> ah, but you're moving, but you're, you're moving within I'm moving the NHS. I'm moving within the you're NHS. Just... I'm going up uh, a band. Uh, so I'll be going from a band two to a band three. Um, so, yeah, things are good. I'm glad I'm kind of... I've been in there a year now. Um, and the progression is something that I'm... Like, like Rich, I'm kind of motivated for progression and being the best I can possibly be in my working life. So for me, it's kind of the next step, really. So, yeah, we're doing okay. We're in the midst of wedding planning and everything's everything's busy, but everything's good. Yeah. Good busy. Jedi Spartan 38 asks, have either of you played any of the Mass Effect games? 
No. I haven't. <laughs> I've got the I've got the legendary edition on PlayStation Plus, but I am yet to play it and I I I don't know. I've never had the real urge to play Mass Effect, so maybe I'll give it a go one day, but I have got a hell of a lot of stuff to play and Mass Effect is unfortunately mm-hmm. quite low down on that list. Um but Jedi Spartan's other question is have you listened to any of the early Big Finish since the first 50 are on Spotify? Uh no. Unfortunately I not. I have actually. There was one big Finnish story I got from a freebie in the Doctor Who magazine forever ago. It might have been one of the original 50. I don't know. But it was it was a Sylvester McCoy with Sophie Aldrin as Ace um, story. I think it's called The Veiled... Was it The Veiled Leopard? Something like that. But I think the only one that I've gone back and listened to on Spotify is Jubilee, which is what yes. Dalek in 2005 was based on. And it's a sixth Doctor story, funnily enough. And it was... It's quite weird the way that it went. Mm. Like the be- like Dalek, the reason I love it so much is because of how grounded it is. Jubilee's just a bit strange. It kind of has the same, like, well, the same sort of initial concept of his, a Dalek, and that's it. But like, it's it's really weird, Jubilee. Mm. But it's like, I can see where this came from and how it definitely evolved into what was arguably a better story in Dalek. But honestly, Jubilee's about it. I've heard there's some really good, really, really good um uh fifth doctor cyberman stories i can't think of what it's called i want to i wanted to say silver eyes but i think silver eyes is the title of a five nights at freddy's novel so Uh, it's not that i don't know i know there's a fifth doctor cyberman big finish drama that apparently people rave about but yeah yeah, i've not really watched uh, watched listened to as said a huge amount of big finish so Mm -hmm. uh hey jay asks if it was announced tomorrow that a Hollywood studio were planning a planet coaster movie, who would you see cast in it and do you think it could even work? Ooh, casting not a clue. That's I I don't watch enough stuff to really say, hey, this person should be great. It's like when they announced um Millie Gibson as the new companion and even Shooty Gatwa. Mm-hmm. Like, I hadn't watched Sex Education, so I had no idea who oh. he was. And it's like, when it, on Children in Need, when Millie Gibson walked out the TARDIS, it was like, I, I don't know who that is. Like, I just, <laughs> I do not know. Um, so for casting, I wouldn't know. The idea of a planet coaster or a, or a, what? Sorry, there's a guy I need to Google quickly. Keep talking. Okay, there's a, um, as for the concept of a planet coaster movie, or like even a roller coaster tycoon movie, technically you could do it. It would be a bit of a, I've not watched it, but I assume like we bought a zoo. That's just like a, it's like a business opportunity and a bit like um, the founder, which is about, which is a Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc, the McDonald's founder. Fantastic film. Like, I feel like you could do something along those lines. So it's less of a whimsical thing and more of like a sort of, not a gritty businessy thing, but like a Mm. a positive uplifting. We're going to open a theme park kind of thing like that. I'd argue you could get away with something like that. Who have you Googled, Amy? Um, so <laughs> let me explain why I googled this person first. Right. Um, there's uh, in my brain for a Planet Coaster movie, I was thinking of um, like the park owner being this kind of like sprightly uh, male, just businessman who is really friendly. And when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the movie thomas and the magic railway and alec baldwin apparently 
played the conductor in the film and he is exactly the epitome of the character that I would picture for a Planet Coaster movie. So if any of you have ever seen Thomas and the Magic Railway with Alec Baldwin as the conductor, Alec Baldwin's character in that film is who I would cast. I was going to say, I'm Planet assuming that's Coaster Thomas movie. the Tank Engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, okay, that, I've not, I've not, <laughs> not heard that before. Oh, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, and my mum will tell you I watched it on repeat. Why am I not surprised? Amy <laughs> likes trains. Jay's other question is, are there, other ty- are there any other types of videos or podcasts you want to make in the future? Uh felt like that's probably more of a you question i mean i'm i'm again similar to the podcast i'm gonna really try and do youtube a bit more properly this year even if it's like monthly but that's gonna stick to doctor who there are definitely ideas i've had ideas i started writing stuff for a theme park channel doing it's basically like a defunct land yesterworld expedition theme park style stuff but but with my sort of my writing my my kind of vibe my kind of edit and stuff like that but it's it's another lot of work like i think my my main issue last year was just trying to do so much stuff like at the start of the year like trying to stream doing my full-time job doing a skeven kasturberus making doctor who youtube videos be they reviews or just doctor who videos for the interim writing for a a board game blog you know there was a lot of stuff i was trying to do and also trying to do this this coaster project and it was like I need to stop. I need to properly. Mm-hmm. That's why I binned off Twitch, which was a very good decision in my eyes. Doctor Who YouTube fell to the wayside a lot. Sorry, but that's the way it goes. Obviously, EK did as well to some extent. Not down to just not wanting to do it, as we've explained. Um, but yeah, I think if I I'm I'm going to make more of a conceited effort to do to do more writing. Um, now that I got my Chibnall era review done and I edited it way quicker than I expected. Um, and I have the means of editing stuff like in the format that I did the Chibnall one and it didn't get dicked on by the BBC for copyright. Thank you, YouTube. Um, like that, I think that opens up big doors for me in terms of actually making YouTube content. Cause honestly, setting up my camera downstairs, setting up lighting, I'm now short a light because it broke. It's like all of that stuff, just like, oh, I can't be bothered to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And while I know people just use a camera at their desk, and I'd love to do that, that's the plan for the future, I think. I don't have the nice enough... As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, my office space isn't very picturesque for studio work. Um, So I wouldn't be interested in shooting in here. Uh, So, yeah, there's there's stuff I'd like to do. Podcasts, probably not. We should just focus on EK. But videos, Mm -hmm. yeah. So there'd be more Doctor Who stuff and maybe some Coaster stuff. Whether it goes on a different channel or stays on this channel, it should... It should technically go on a different channel, but I also don't see the point. I'd rather be like, here's something different, but trying to market myself or brand the channel around just Doctor Who stuff and then some random other bits. It just, it's kind of odd. So, and I'd almost feel like I have to try and balance it 50-50 and also Doctor Who and theme parks. It's They're two very different things to try and mash together in one channel. So mm-hmm. that was probably a very wordy, wordy, wordy answer for things. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Jack at Screen Planet asks, what are your go-to movie genres? Are there any specific film genres that you love, e.g. horror, action, fantasy, etc.? And then says, keep up the great work. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, honestly, genres, no. I, I, I'm I not the biggest, like, film guy, really. I'll go and see, like, I say I'll go and see the MCU stuff. Uh, there's I am so burnt out on the MCU. I'm really behind. Mm. Um, I think the last thing we watched would have been what? Ms. Marvel? Yeah. I think Ms. Marvel's the last thing we watched. 
Um, so yeah, we're we're really behind on films. I haven't seen Thor, um, Love and Thunder yet. I haven't seen She Hulk. Uh, haven't seen Black Panther. Uh, no. Wakanda Forever. So yeah, very behind on things like that. Really, films wise, I suppose the only ones I'm like, oh, I need to watch this is like Edgar Wright films, and yet I still haven't watched Last Night in Soho. So I guess we're yeah. we're just not very. When we don't really have the time to sit down and watch. A yeah, film. and we're just we're not that interested in film like when i was at uni and doing media production you kind of had to be and i kind of tried to convince myself that i really cared about watching interesting films in reality i don't mm. <laughs> so yeah not not the biggest film people in the grand scheme of things we'll go and see bits and pieces that we want to see but yeah we've never been we want to just watch films all the time and have a letterbox to yeah. count and review stuff just yeah not not right. really so- i think but I, arguably apart from probably disney films yeah um, for me, my favourite film genre is like coming of age films. Exactly, like teen schlock. Yeah, teen <laughs> schlock. But I just think they're a good vibe. Like I enjoy that sort of uh, very indie kind of vibe. Like look at the world. Obviously, Perks Being a Wallflower is like I said, my favourite film in the entire world. So stuff with that kind of vibe is just my go-to really. Yeah. Claire, our final question from Twitter asks don't you think don't think you've talked about it on the podcast so what music do you guys like favorite bands artists etc i mean it's such a weird eclectic mix we were talking we're actually i was actually talking to this about i was actually talking about this to my colleagues at work the other day and i said my music taste is a big hodgepodge and none of them knew what hodgepodge meant (laughs) um so shout out to my work colleagues i guess um but yeah uh, it's a big mix is what i then i I then said eclectic mix and they were like nah you've lost us um i like a bit of pop i like musicals i like a bit of uh things like yumi at six and my chemical romance and panic at the disco um i also really like disney music i like miley cyrus i love taylor swift um but my favorite band if ever is a band called A Great Big World. Um, not many people have heard of them. So You've heard Say Something, though. Have. Everyone's heard yeah, Say Something. Their they're song that everyone knows, which they everybody thinks they're like a one-hit wonder, would say something, but actually they're really not. They've got three albums, um, is with Christina Aguilera. Which is um, the ultimately not... inferior version <laughs> to the one of Just Ian. Yeah, I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm terrible at singing. Again, you all um, know it. You all know it. You'll know it. Um but they are my favourite band. And uh, if, <clears throat> excuse me, for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Um, I don't know if it will be backwards or not on my camera. but It's not. You're, you're the right way round. So <clears throat> here you will see I have a tattoo that says, be not afraid of who you really are. And it's got a little rocket at the end of it. And that is actually written, like that handwriting is from uh, Ian... I believe. I think it was Ian, yeah. Um, there's Ian and Chad in the band, uh, in who are the primary singers, and then you've got a few other members of the band who play the music. This was Ian's handwriting. He wrote it out for me after I had a live chat with them on Instagram on my 23rd birthday. Um, they wrote this for me. They sent it to me on Twitter, and I got it tattooed. And it's from one of their songs called This Is The New Year. Um, so if anybody's watched Glee... You'll have seen them perform it on Glee. Um, 
And yeah, they are a fantastic band. I highly recommend you give them a listen to if you like really kind of upbeat, light-hearted pop music. But then they also have some songs that are a bit more hard-hitting, a bit more emotional. And they're just a really good all-rounded band. Yeah, that's fair enough. Your answer, Richard. I like I like Busted. <laughs> I was I was <laughs> I was a big Busted fan as a kid, and subsequently, as we all were, a McFly fan as well. And mm-hmm. with McFly and Busted both back on the scene, both making cracking albums. The McBusted album yes. is a bit rubbish, but Busted's third album is their best album, hands down. Halfway there is fantastic. Young Dumb Thrills by McFly is a brilliant album. Oh, so, so good. having those two, they were like the two bands that were like my the big bands I loved when I was a kid. So I still love them now because their music's still good. Uh, Caravan Palace is another band I, I've loved for years. Um, incredible live and their music just keeps getting better they keep developing their own sound and it just yeah keeps going and then i just mm-hmm. throw in like ghost as well that i got into after being a what culture because ghost stuff is just big theatrical yeah. melodic metal and i'm not I, I can't stand screamo but like metal that actually has some melody and not some just weird throat noises to it i'm game for it so even Avenged Sevenfold and Ghost and stuff like that, I'm I'm here for as well. So similar to Amy, along with along with like jazz and musicals and stuff, it's it is an eclectic mix. So mm-hmm. we're quite we're quite open with our music, to be honest. We will basically take any basically anything but screamo, and um and like mumble rapping and and crap like that. Oh, who yeah, is it? Much. There's a, a a band called Slaves that people love. My brother yeah. likes Slaves. I think they sound like complete dog. I think they sound awful. <laughs> I'm like, why is this, why is this, this also, is this is music? This is terrible. And also, I also can't stand people like Drake or oh God. Um, Kanye West, anybody like that. No, no not my thing. Um, but also, I, I go full like boomer with like Radio One. If we're in the car and Amy puts on Radio One, I'm like, what? On Whereas earth I love is this? Radio One. Like, it's like the chorus is just somebody going mur, 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 over and over again. And it's like written by 14 people. And it's like the epitome of corporate pop. And I'm like, this stuff absolutely sucks. Like, it's like the one thing we disagree on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's actually a question about this, about stuff we disagree on. I, I cannot stand like corporate pop. There are some artists out there that do some really good stuff who are like top of the food chain pop. You've got people like Louis Capaldi. Capaldi. Yeah, Louis Capaldi, I'd argue like... Like, in terms of talent, Ariana Grande, she's so talented. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just keep Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran and, and people like that. There are people who can kind of sub, like get a, get past that. Even Dua Lipa's got some slapping songs. Oh, yeah, but yeah. then you find a lot of artists that just make crap that's there to be catchy and that's about it. And I'm like, mm. this stuff does not appeal to me in the slightest. Yes, it's catchy. Um, I can't stand Megan Trainer as a person. I think she's an. I think she's a complete bitch. But her songs, but her songs are, are so catchy, earworms. and it's like, oh. and the fact that she brought back Doo Wop. I'm like, I love Doo Wop. Mm-hmm. Don't. Why do you have to be such an asshole? And why did you marry Junie Cortez? What a poor bloke. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a lot. There's like Radio One. I'm like, this is crap. What on earth is this? Whereas why would I you like, like this? And I'm there like Radio Two. Give me Radio Two. Although they're losing Popmaster, which is a shame. But anyway. I know. Um, so yeah, um, music is a pretty eclectic mix, but yeah, just not like, if you tell, if Amy's like, oh, this is number one, I'm like, I've no idea what that is. <laughs> I've only, uh, just Cap- to put things into perspective, I have heard one Lad Baby song and it was fecking awful. Awful, awful. Um, Lewis Capaldi is literally like my, after a great big world, he's probably my second favourite. Uh, that's fair enough his, his music's um, great and he's so the, funny he's such a sound oh, I guy i love him he's just incredible just want to crack uh, open off, a bottle of bucky with lewis capaldi <laughs> yeah off the back of that uh question we're now onto the youtube questions um 
Dalek underscore four two five two uh asks, Do you like the Beatles? Yes. And <laughs> Yeah, you don't really know. The 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 fun <laughs> we used to go to Nottingham every every Christmas because there's a arguably the biggest tribute act to the Beatles are called the Bootleg Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um and my my like he's, he's he's like uncle he's not actually my uncle but you know refer to him as uncle like very very close family friends he's a huge beatles fan so we would always go to nottingham to go with to go with them to the the, uh, the the concert hall in nottingham and go and see the bootleg beatles every year and they are incredible um so i got into sort of listening to the beatles through seeing the bootleg beatles so many times and while they're never usually my first like go to i'm gonna put on abbey road or sergeant peppers or something like that um i do still very much like the beatles music we do have some beatles songs on our wedding playlist mainly just like the the you know um uh, to, to, to help out the old eight, crowd, eight days basically. a week twist and shout i saw her standing there stuff like that back in the ussr absolutely slaps and yeah. beatles rock band i got a lot of a lot of game time from me so yeah yeah i like, I like the beatles yeah, I mean, yeah you're not really not really your thing you were brought up on quo and elton john yes Dalek4252 also asks, what are your favourite animals? Uh, Well, I feel like we've kind of covered this. We love dogs and cats. Um, I've literally lived my entire life with both uh, of those in my household. Um, I also had a hamster when I was younger, obviously, as most kids do. Um, Rich, you had a cat, I had a cat. I've just had one cat, and she was so special she would never be replaced, hence why my parents never got another cat. She lived... Mm -hmm. um, she was uh my parents got her before i was even born and she lived until she was 21 and uh fun fact for all you castapodians who need to know every single detail about the two of us uh the day that is our anniversary the day that we put as our because we didn't really have like an official start date we just kind of went yeah this day uh was actually the day that my cat got put down so our our first our original like getting together date is also the same day that i lost my cat of i was what 18 yeah. years old and my cat of 18 years who was 21 years old and i love her to pieces and mm-hmm. i miss her all the time but uh yeah so I, i'm looking forward to when we get a house and we can have a cat we've we decided we're going to get cats first cats first and then they're easier to look after eventually we'll get a dog because i've never had a dog that's mine but I've I've known people with dogs, obviously being with Amy for all these years. I know Amy's dogs very well, and I'm I'm super keen to get a dog. But it's going to be cats yeah. first for, for the both of us. It will be. Um, timeless child R underscore easy uh, asks why is Doctor Who special to you, and who is your favourite incarnation of the Time Lord? Do not skip nine friends yeah again you should all know this by now eccleston is my boy he is my favorite doctor because i don't think it's solely down to the fact that he was my first doctor because obviously i i feel very i I have a big connection to david tennant's doctor as well but eccleston for me was always my favorite i think his storyline was so well done i think he performed the role so well i think tennant does the very the happy and the, the happy and the sort of angry side of the doctor very well i think eccleston does it better I would argue, um, not to say that Tennant's stuff isn't genuine, but I just, I feel like he like it's almost like the spectrum of angry to happy that Tennant has. Think of it being a lot wider with Eccleston. I feel like it goes further in one direction and further in the other. So I've always loved the fact that he's been able to nail that dynamic. I always picture him getting angry at the Dalek in Dalek compared to them laughing and joking in the cafe in Cardiff in Boomtown. Like I always see mm-hmm. those two things and how 
Eccleston absolutely nailed nailed the side of the doctor that we didn't even know like he is as if he just knew everything all the all the all the specific details would not have been hashed out by that point but he just did it so well in his yeah. time um so yeah it's going to be it's going to be Eccleston for me and Doctor Who is special to me and I said this in my my Chibnall era review when Doctor Who first aired we were both nine as we've discussed mm -hmm. on, on the podcast before and I was I obviously when I was nine, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a roller coaster engineer originally because obviously I played a lot of roller coaster tycoon, but my maths is not good enough to do engineering. Um, <laughs> and so, watching Doctor Who as a kid got me using Windows Movie Maker, which I think basically anyone who's an editor nowadays started on Windows Movie Maker. Yeah. Um, I was making rubbish Doctor Who cartoons using Paint and Windows Movie Maker, and then my interest in video editing grew from watching Doctor Who and wanting to make my own Doctor Who episodes, quote-unquote. So, and then obviously that spiralled into more video work, etc., etc. Went to uni, went to What Culture, went to Traction. Here I am now making trailers for Frontier Games. So that's, it, it all kind of stems back to my love of computers and my love of Doctor Who. So it's it's very special to me because it that was the catalyst that pointed me in the direction I am today professionally. Yeah. Um, for me, my favourite incarnation is probably Tennant. Um, he and Matt Smith walk a fine line for me in terms of how well I think they portrayed their characters. Um, but my favourite incarnation of the Time Lord in character terms is Tennant because I feel like Matt Smith's Doctor got a bit too big for his britches. Um, Doctor Who is... It's not as special to me as it is to Rich. I'm not going to pretend that I am as big of a Doctor Who fan as he is because I could never match up to that. For me, my thing for that is Harry Potter. Um, We're kind and, of the perfect inverse of that, that Potter's yeah. very special to me, but not as much as Doctor Who, whereas Potter's more special to you compared to Doctor yeah. Who. Um, so it's still special to me because it was like we grew up with it. It was my childhood. And, you know... I, we have a lot of memories of me and my sister sitting down to watch it on Christmas Day. Uh, thank God that's coming back. Oh my God! Um, we get to we so, get to make, annoy my family with Doctor Who at Christmas. If it's on this yeah. year for Christmas, I get to annoy my family with it. Hell um, yeah! I've not done that in a long time. But yeah, so it is special to me, but not as special as it is to Rich. I think. Yeah, Harry Beddo fifteen twenty two. There's a lot of these usernames. These are the new YouTube usernames because you know YouTube have mm -hmm. finally gone and said let's normalize our our username approach. A lot yeah. of these have got four numbers at the end because most people haven't realized they've got a username they can now edit. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, so Harry Beddo fifteen twenty two. What's your opinion? What's your guys' opinions on the Star Wars shows that have been coming out? Plus, what's your opinion of Star Wars in general? What's what was the Tell me, Amy, what was what did you turn and say to me when we went to go and see The Force Awakens at uni? We got her right at the end. You know the thing that happens right at the end of Force Awakens? Amy turned to me and she said... Uh, hey, Rich, who's that? Hey, that that's, that's Luke Skywalker, Amy. I've never seen Star Wars before Well, you've seen Force day. Awakens. I've seen Force Awakens, but up to that point, I'd never seen Star Wars at all. Um, I had briefly seen clips of it online but like you, you've I got have i think recognized anyone you've got your knowledge of star wars is that of the public consciousness knowledge yeah. of star wars i don't it it doesn't appeal to me in the same way that things like harry potter and doctor who do which is odd because you'd think they kind of all go hand in hand the same with like lord of the rings people just assume you like lord yeah. of the rings as well but i'm not I've never a lord watched of the rings that fan either 
so um <laughs> in terms of my opinion of star wars haven't really got one we are um, we do have a bit i mean we, i think we've mentioned this before we have a big list of films we need to watch and the original well actually the original the star wars films are on that yeah. list um i have seen all of them um i haven't actually i haven't seen solo um and honestly i've not watched any of the tv series um i am not really a big and i'm not so much a big enough star wars fan i i i'm perfectly sure that if i sat down and i watched the mandalorian i watched book of boba fett and whatever else that i would enjoy it because i i enjoy mm. star wars but i'm not i'm not the biggest star wars fan i'm not going out of my way to watch these things i went to go and watch like the sequel trilogy uh in the cinemas when they came out i went to see force awakens i went to go see last jedi at midnight and i went to go and see uh rise of skywalker like the first day like first showing in the morning like 10 o'clock in the morning best time to go to the cinema by the way 10 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. um but I'm not really big enough for Star Wars fan. And I I appreciate the series. There's a lot of great stuff in there. and But I also like digging into the uh, the intricacies of how much the, 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 the prequel trilogy were cocked up by George Lucas back in the early noughties um, and how the, the weird approach that went into the sequel films. So we will get around to watching them, maybe. I, I'm, I've been more tempted more recently to go back and make you watch episode four and we'll watch oh, yeah. them. We watch them in release order. So you watch the original trilogy, then the prequel trilogy, then the sequel trilogy. That's fine. Um, but I will say Rogue One is the best Star Wars film. Rogue One is absolutely excellent. So That's fine. What is that? I'm really sorry. Marco gonna... Marco, Lu- Marco Mar- Ludma? Yeah, I thought it said Mark Loudman, um, but it does not. <laughs> it says Marco Ludma. Mark Ludma, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm very sorry. Again, mate probably doesn't know what his username is on YouTube. So. Um, and asks, any MCU projects you'd like to see in the future, whether they've been announced or not? I mean, as we've touched on, we've been really burnt out on the MCU. We've got a lot to catch up on. We just haven't had the motivation, I guess, to, to do it. Um, I think the, mm-hmm. the, end, the way that Ms. Marvel ended was the first time. It's, it's felt like a bit of a... I, I guess I get like out. a oh that wasn't that wasn't so satisfying like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was fine but it was like a consistent level of okay you got Loki mm-hmm. that was just like bangers every time Hawkeye was again like okay all the way One through Division One Division was like bangers Incredible. the whole time Ms Marvel kind of goes yep 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 and then just kind of drops Ugh. so rather than being like a consistent level of, of of tone of quality it felt like the first time the MCU properly kind of led us in one direction then tripped fumbled so, the ball a little bit. That's probably why we've fallen off it a bit. I've heard really good things about She-Hulk, which is great, but I've just not watched it yet. Um, same about Wakanda Forever, same about Thor, but we just haven't seen them. Um, I feel like by the time we get round to when Loki Season 2 comes out this year, we will really need to have watched everything up to that yeah. point to catch up because I think that's that's the one thing I can think of that's going to get me back in is watching mm-hmm. Loki. At man of the Lost Quantumania, again... I, I'm, oh, I don't know. I saw the trailer for that. I, I mean, it's still. I mean, all the stuff still looks good. We just haven't watched and it. And I love Paul Rudd. Yeah, there's another <laughs> simp thing for Amy. Um, as for stuff that's coming, uh, as for stuff that's not announced, again, don't know comics enough to really think about stuff I'd like to see. Getting Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home. Yeah, No Way Home was like the big one for oh. me as a big Spider-Man yeah. fan from back in the day. Um, but really, the stuff that's coming, uh, Daredevil Reborn. Um, because Daredevil uh, is incredible, the Netflix show. Um, 
it's it's really really good uh daredevil and jessica mm-hmm. jones really iron fist i watched the first season not iron fist uh luke cage the first season was fine didn't watch the second one didn't bother with iron fist because i've heard it's absolutely terrible and um, i watched defenders as well and it's like eh. but jessica jones and, and daredevil were brilliant so the fact we're getting daredevil back the fact kingpin was back in hawkeye that was awesome amy obviously won't know it as much with vincent d'onofrio as kingpin but he is so good i mm-hmm. really need to make you watch daredevil because it's so good um but yeah, I think we do, we need to just catch up on MCU stuff, I guess. Yeah. I think that's that's really it. Richard Gurney, eighteen forty four, asks, "What happens during your perfect day?" Oh, um, a long sleep. <laughs> Mostly sleeping. Ideal. We we didn't sleep very well last night. Mm. Um, and uh, a long lie-in would be fantastic uh, to start off the perfect day. Um, probably some sort of buffet breakfast would be because i love a good basically buffet dinner amy wants to wake up breakfast. wake up late in a premier inn and then go and have yeah. a premier inn breakfast and then <laughs> she's happy much. <laughs> um oh i mean it's so like basically just kind of spending a nice day with my family would be like my perfect day i really enjoy when our families get together because mm. it's always a really good laugh so i guess my perfect day would be wake up in a premier room with both our families have a fantastic buffet breakfast maybe go out and spend the day doing something together and then come home and have a really nice long sleep yeah that's fair enough i probably agree with that to be honest with you richard gurney again (laughs) has a second question what's the most horrible death you can think of oh jesus christ it's a bit morbid Uh, all of a sudden what's your perfect day what about death? What's your perfect death? My cam- my um, webcam is so overexposed at the moment. I don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, mine's doing I don't know what mine's doing. Can I close my curtains either. and make it stop? Um, I have no control over my webcam exposure. <laughs> oh, um, <no. laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I really want to answer this question because death is a really sensitive topic for me. So That's made it worse. <laughs> am I okay to skip this yeah, question? Yeah, I think we'll skip that one. What if I turn this light off? That's, that, that's a bit better, isn't it? That'll do. <laughs> Me and my old streaming lights still on my desk. Um, so, Winfield this... Moslington. You got a long Shall one here, Ames. One? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. With more and more big blockbuster films releasing either exclusively or in tandem with streaming platforms, do you think cinemas could benefit from doing cut price screenings for big TV specials? Something like a Doctor Who special over here or a Game of Thrones level show. I'd hate to see the cinema die out, but it seems they're little let up in home release being a preference. Oh, sorry. There's little let up in home release being a preference. I read that wrong. I mean, um, in the years running up to the pandemic, that did become very popular. We had obviously mm-hmm. back in 2016, we had Day of the Doctor in cinemas. I think by the end of Game of Thrones was in cinemas. Um, you'd see it all the time with, with these sorts of things. I, I would say, yeah, for cinemas itself, that would really help them because obviously they are, they are struggling nowadays. I mean, Cineworld is in a bit of a pickle, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just cinemas in general, to be honest, because of the expectation of just being able to get stuff at home nowadays, which, you know, I, I guess, fair enough. It's not the same experience for definite, but it definitely could be an option to go down. But then obviously there's a lot more hoops to jump through as to whether they can have it be simulcast like Doctor Who was back in... Uh, actually, was it... I know they did... They did the 50th anniversary in cinemas as well, but they did other stuff in cinemas as well. Was it like they did Twice Upon a Time or something in cinemas too? I don't or remember. Or a series premiere or something or I'm other. I'm not sure. But like, 
doing that is a logistical pain compared to films i think but it's definitely mm. it's definitely an option i think it could work quite well though i mean you get viral things like wednesday that have gone absolutely through the roof at the moment um and when you know things like uh Squid Game came out. I can you imagine if they'd aired the final episodes of those in cinemas? Like they'd probably make bank. Um, I, I mean, I love cinema, like going to the cinema to watch a film because the immersion is just so much better than what you get sitting at home. Um, so, I, I do think that cinemas could benefit from doing big TV specials. Yeah, because I feel like they're being really let down by the use of i mean disney's latest film strange world was a prime example because there was little to no marketing for it came out in cinemas and literally no one would see it yeah and then no but it didn't though because now it's been released on disney plus it's the number one film on disney plus and so yeah it's has the the reception gotten better because i hadn't read good things about the film yeah no no the fact that it's literally like the number one watched movie on disney plus at the moment because everybody really enjoyed it and it's because there was no marketing for it fair enough so it's one of those things that uh is very like yeah cinemas could really benefit from it in my opinion yeah Shady Charizard six five seven one asks will you be doing more doctor non doctor who related videos on your channel which, I feel like this is a, this is a me question. <laughs> I mean, I've kind of covered this already, that maybe, maybe not. It depends. It's kind of like when I was a streamer and I was streaming Planet Coaster predominantly, and anytime you do anything that wasn't Planet Coaster, your viewership would just... In the same way that releasing an episode of Escaping Kestebras on my YouTube channel normally gets people unsubscribing because they're not here for Escaping Kestebras, they're here for more curated videos rather than just rambling bollocks. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe not. But uh, Amy, I think the next one you should probably read to yeah, me. Yeah. So Shady Charizard also asks you, Richard. Uh, I'm Richard. starting my own. Yeah. Sorry, I called you Richard. That's very odd. Uh, I'm starting my own YouTube channel soon. Do you have any advice for me? Oh boy, howdy, I do. Um, so with with doing YouTube, I've obviously done I've I've done YouTube for a company, What Culture, that had a big following already. So launching another channel behind the company, like with the the potential benefit of of cross-posting onto the other channels, like when we launched Who Culture in 2020, basically did a video for main channel, gaming channel, uh, the Trek channel, to link into to the Who Culture channel to say, look, there's a new thing for Doctor Who, come and subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also doing stuff when you're starting from scratch. So like traction at Motorsport Games, that was like nothing. We had to do that completely from, from, from scratch without, we admittedly had, you know, time and, and money to do it. But in terms of genuine, like just getting bums on seats to watch the content, that was purely down to us. So doing it from scratch. Really, the main, and this is this is ironic coming from me, but genuinely it's consistency. That's the thing that will help you. Um, obviously, I don't know exactly what it is you're looking to do on YouTube. You haven't specified what that's going to be. But consistency really is key. It's kind of like the, the approach of Twitch of like, you're going to be discovered more when you're live so the Mm -hmm. more you stream the bigger chance you'll be found it's like the more videos you put out the better you can be don't try and burn yourself out don't think you're going to do three videos a week because when you have youtube channels you say like i know markiplier smosh i would say pewdiepie but he's basically retired from youtube now but like all these channels they've got loads of people behind them if it's just you 
stick to a video a week. I'm only do I'm only going to plan on to do a video a month if I can mm-hmm. that isn't escaping Stubborous because I don't have the time, and it's a one man band. Hello, it's just me. So it's like being consistent is going to really help you if you can stick to making content more consistently then the pe- there's a bigger chance people are going to find you obviously quality is is good as well doesn't mean go and buy loads of crap to make your videos look amazing it's like people who want to be a streamer so they go and buy a dslr a, a, a cam link a stream deck some lights or every elgato product under the sun gaming chair leds they do the whole thing because they expect that to be what it is the beauty of youtube is you can do almost whatever you want. And as long as the content is good, irrelevant of the quality, like the actual, the meat of the content is good, then you can do something good with it. There's a channel I watch about The Simpsons called The Real Gyms. His stuff is like literally uh, a slideshow of stills from The Simpsons. It's exported at 1080p, uh, 720p even today, but his content is brilliant. Like it's really, really good informative video essay kind of stuff he does some episode rankings of classic simpsons and stuff like that he's actually got, he's gone all the way through classic simpsons is it like season 15 or 16 now he's doing retrospectives on the content is really good but it's not like i don't know mkbhd or linus tech tips levels of production quality you don't need that as long as the actual the meat of your content is good then go for it. I mean, like the the video I just released on the um, Chibnallera review that's done, you know, the reception has been really positive and the views have been really good. In terms of the actual production, it's just clips from who? That's really all it is. Like it's it was quick for me to get turned around, which makes me confident about doing projects in the future in that same style because it's easy for me to produce. But there's nothing super flashy about it, really. And mm-hmm. that's what I think you can take into consideration. Like as long as the, the bulk of your content is good, don't worry about the frills, not yet. But as long as you can get your content across consistently, clearly, and you've got good quality, then good quality in, in what you're doing, I said, don't, you don't go buy loads of random crap because you feel like you need it. Um, but that's really what I would go with. And be, be honest, mm-hmm. be genuine. Don't, you don't have to put on a big voice. You don't have to try and show off. Like Sometimes the more grounded the content is, the better it can be. So And from coming from somebody like me, who has never really edited a video a day in her life and has just started editing a hours-long holiday video for our family to watch. Get DaVinci Resolve because it's free. And it's <laughs> Don't pay for Adobe because it's software. expensive. Don't pay for Adobe. Just download DaVinci Resolve for free online. It's fantastic editing software. It's got all the stuff you would need to start a YouTube channel in it, and it's really easy to learn through YouTube tutorials. For free Just software, it's crazy good. It's, it has no right to be as powerful as it is as a free bit of kit. I use Premiere yeah. and pay 45, 50 quid a month for it. God help me, honestly. But I mean, feel free to, to, if you're Shady Charizard, if you want more help on YouTube, let us know what you're doing. Like, glad to help. I'm really interested yeah. to see what it is you, you're, up, you're up to. Lost in Kate Winslet, so somebody who does know how to change their username on YouTube, <laughs> asks, so one reason I enjoy the podcast is that you and Amy are a different generation. I can remember Pertwee, but Tom Baker is my doctor. While there are some differences, is it pleasing that we have a lot more in common about how we understand the show and characters? Um, <clears throat> no, that was, that, I framed that like a question. It is pleasing. It is pleasing that we have a lot more in common about how we understand the show and characters. With that in mind, I wonder how you feel about the warnings placed on shows and films with the 80s or earlier. The most recent warning was before I watched Trading Places, but I've also seen warnings for 70s Who. For example, Talons of Wen Chan. Yep. Pretty racist because Yellowface. Yellowface is dodgy, but there wasn't a warning for something that the dads and the bi seen in it. Do you find these trigger warnings insulting or inconsistent? 
No. I mean, I think without obviously trying to get too deep into this like whole kind of political side of things, I feel like it's appropriate to put trigger warnings on things from the older generation, mainly because times have changed. They're still changing. We've mm -hmm. still got a long way to go. But things that might have been okay back in the day, like that episode, uh, I've never seen it, so I can't comment on it particularly. But I can understand why it might offend some people. I get that, yeah, okay, there are things that are inconsistent within the trigger warnings it gives. But I think it's probably better to add something than nothing and to just kind of act like because it happened once, it was a different time, it's okay. Um, because if we don't start to point out things that we know are wrong then things are never going to change so i can't comment on the inconsistencies because i don't really know what other trigger warnings are that they've used on old episodes of classic who um i don't find them particularly insulting because i again i just i haven't seen them so i can't comment on them but i would say i personally think it's a good thing to be starting to realize that what we maybe once did doesn't mean we need to keep doing it yeah i i mean i i agree that i was i'm in more in the mindset of like conservation that because I, I like keep all my old games and stuff i'm never selling them and stuff like that i like the idea of still having them to hand i like the ability to have like the, i don't buy loads of box sets but there are like dvd box sets and stuff that i want and the stuff that i have so i have my own sort of my own um copy of things Collection. yeah uh, of what i of, of stuff that should be kept so things like doctor who uh, tom and jerry is the what i was going to cite because and i think these i think i need to check i think these dvds do have that kind of warning at the start that says by the way there are things i mean bear in mind the, the tom and jerry era the tom and jerry stuff that i've got is from i think it's from 1940 to 1967 it's like all the original mm -hmm. shorts that were in the cinemas and stuff um and i loved tom and jerry growing up absolutely loved it and i still do um and i think they at the start of their dvd say there are there are some things in these shows in these films these shorts that are by today's standards insensitive and i would rather they had a warning and left it in mm -hmm. than cut it out and pretend like it never happened because yeah a we need to learn from these things and you know thankfully we have there are some people who just within society who don't understand that but in film and tv not so much that's great but i don't agree with the idea of pretending it never happened and tearing mm -hmm. it down because at the end of the day it's again stuff we need to learn from and also it's 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 something you know culturally special like tom and jerry for example i don't want to see it be butchered by today's standards because there's a joke about tom putting his head in a barrel that's got a bomb in it and he's basically blackface afterwards like i get that it's i get that it's culturally insensitive but at the same time i don't i don't want to have that episode edited because it's how i remember it as a kid it doesn't mean i'm there i'm all for it and i'm going to do it myself and i you know after watching tom and jerry i blacked up as a kid never did that but i would rather that the people at least acknowledge the fact that that's in there and you say yeah there's stuff in here you might find insensitive but it was also 1945 or something yeah. like that. Like it was the product of a different time. doesn't mean it's okay by today's standard, but arguably when I'm watching that, it's 1945. That's when I'm, that's when I'm watching it basically, if that, if that makes sense. Like I'm watching, mm -hmm. I'm watching the Twilight Zone in the minute from 1959. And while there's nothing in there that's overtly like 
sexist or racist or homophobic or anything like that. There are still like, there's a woman who's the secretary. The, the, the wife stays at home and cooks their dinner. That was how things were. That's, mm-hmm. that's just, it's a slice of life from that period. I, I think the idea of, of tearing that down and pretending like it never happened doesn't really help anyone. So I'd rather have a warning to say, this is a bit insensitive than to like remove it entirely. It's like, I've, I obviously love the Simpsons as I've said, and I've, in all my watch throughs, I realize it's been so many years since I've watched Stark Raving Dad because Disney Plus won't air it because it's got Michael Jackson in it. Mm. It's like the Stark Raving Dad is genuinely one of the best episodes of The Simpsons ever made. So eh, I think there's a yeah. time and a place. I'd rather that they put it up and said, by the way, this features Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and then go from there. So definitely the more sort of the sort of the, the, the more meaty, harder hitting question. I mean, I'm intrigued. Yeah. For, for you guys in the comments of the video or on Twitter or on the Spotify questions, just like what, what would your stance be on that? Because that's I'm, I'm intrigued from a wider perspective because I don't know whether I've outed myself as a closet racist or something because I'd rather not have that stuff cut out and just be warned about it. I don't but, think you're a closet racist. No. You're you, definitely yeah, not racist. Who, know, who knows how the internet will take <laughs> anything I say? I mean, oh. welcome to the internet. <laughs> well, having known you for a very long time can confirm you're neither racist nor in the closet, so... <laughs> um, sure. Alberto Porigato three seven six four. That's my best uh, go at that one. I'm afraid. Um, Set asks Doctor Who is a series about changes. The reason it survived this long is its ability to change cast, plots, and style. We're not big fans of the last era, but looking back at it, I'm not able to be mad at Chibnall because I feel like it was a nice to see the show try something else. What do you think about it? Now, I definitely get what you mean, Alberto Porigato, um, about the idea of trying something different. I think if it was, if it had stuck the landing, mm-hmm. you'd almost buy it more. It's like the idea of the, the time war happening between the movie and the reboot like seemed weird at the time, but because it because it stuck the landing, it stuck to its guns and it went with it, it weaved its way to Doctor Who lore and people accepted it and it worked. And people look back mm-hmm. at that era, as we've said, so very fondly leading up to the 50th anniversary. Like what? It was almost like the equivalent of us lead, of, of the MCU starting in 2008 with Iron Man and leading up to Infinity War and Endgame. Like that was 2005 through to 2013 for the Day of the Doctor. So we've had that amazing time and there are things they've tried that haven't necessarily landed all that well, but the time, like the time the child stuff, the, the, uh, the Chibnall thing, I get... <laughs> Like, not being mad at Chibnall. Am I mad at him right now? No, he's he's done, he's gone. I'm happy to just move on from it, as I said in my video. But if he'd have stuck the landing with it, I don't think I'd have been so critical because there would be nothing to be critical about. But because he didn't, yeah. there are things to be critical about. Um, We all know from listening to this podcast <laughs> that my opinion of Chibnall is not good. Um... Like Rich said, I'm kind of over it now, but I think that's because I know he's in the rearview mirror. Um, at the time, I I couldn't believe what he was doing. A lot of it, I felt very much like it was he was ruining it. Um, I don't think he overtly destroyed it, as Rich will also agree. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen his video on "Did Chibnall Kill Who," go and watch his YouTube video on "Did Chibnall Kill Who." Oh, thanks. Um, you're welcome. Um, uh, basically all of Rich's opinions I kind of share. So if you want to know what we both really think about it, go and watch that video. Um, but I 
I get, like Rich said, I get the idea of trying something new. But honestly, I think I'm glad he's done. And I can't wait for Russell T Davies. That's that's where I'm going to leave it. That's fair enough. (laughs) And Alberto actually follows that up with a quite relevant topic of the fact that you seem to agree on most of the topics you discuss about Doctor Who. Is there a series, TV, book, video game, whatever that gets you fighting because you have opposite opinions? Well, first one, music. Well, yeah. (laughs) Like we discussed that. Like that's... Um, I'm trying to think. I wouldn't even say music is our disagreement. It's literally just, just radio. Pop one. chart music in the UK. I'm like, nah, this is crap. And Amy's I'm like, trying to oh, think I'm if vibing. there's anything else we disagree on, though. Um, I'm trying to think of anything like, I mean, really, the only other thing that, that I can think of that is like, I don't want to be anywhere around, but I like your your schlocky team movies. And I, I'm never yeah. going to never gonna begrudge you for the fact you enjoy them. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to watch them. And thankfully, Amy understands that. So she doesn't sit me down and force me to watch. Another no. another teen movie too, the Beach Edition thing. or something. No, that's Teen Beach Movie on Disney. Yeah, Channel. I knew it was something like that. I've never, I've not watched it, but that's not the point. <laughs> um, the only other thing that we kind of disagree on is the fact that very occasionally, and I mean very occasionally, I will watch um, some kind of reality TV, and you hate yeah. it. Um, I used to back in the day when me and my sister were quite young and we lived at home i say quite young i must have been around sort of early teen years um we used to watch big brother as a family because back in that that era it was at its prime on channel four it was mm-hmm. incredible um and i've just i've never clicked with shows like that big brother I'm, I'm a celebrity, celebrity. yeah none of um, that like things that and the look most... like i know that you don't want to watch love island but jesus christ no. what <laughs> absolute trash love island can get in the bin but <laughs> The one that I most recently watched was The Traitors on BBC, um, which was absolutely fantastic. And while I'm not exactly like going to turn around and say it's rubbish TV, it's just not the kind of thing I would watch. And I appreciate that it's actually been like, it's it's good. It doesn't feel like um, manufactured. It doesn't feel like it's been corporatized like music does to me, Mm -hmm. Um, which is great. But it's just, it's not really my thing. I think there's an... Any, any. If I'm ever put in a position where I have, to, unfortunately, have to be re reminded of how thick people are, it's yeah. That's what, that's yeah. what irritates me. So that's why reality TV. Because I mean, mm. not to to tar everyone with the same brush, but when you have like proper schlocky reality TV, people are thick, and it mm-hmm. really annoys me. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I've got think, no time for people like that. I think the reason I enjoyed the traitor so much was because no one on there was overtly stupid. Everybody it was a much was more mature take on like a reality was, series. Yeah, everybody yeah. was clever for their own reasons, and everybody had their reason for being there. And I really enjoyed it from the psychological perspective of just seeing how everybody reacted to this like idea. And we love social deduction board games at home. We play them all the time. Um, So watching one on TV with a massive prize fund really kind of like... ups the ante quite a bit. Yeah, a lot. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. I'm not going to watch the American one because I think Americans over-dramatise everything. Um... So, sorry if you're American, but <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean wrong. that as a. I don't mean that as a everyone specifically. I just mean people who tend to be on TV shows. American in America, American television culture is very different to American yeah. uh, British um, TV culture. 
So I won't watch the American one, but I did really enjoy that. So they're kind of the main things we disagree on. We don't really disagree on a lot. I think that's what makes us so compatible with each other is the fact that even if we do disagree, we very much we don't hold it against each, each other. Opinions. Yeah, no. Um, we never argue really at all unless it's just something like you haven't done the washing up or I haven't done the washing up, and even then we don't argue. It's literally, a, can you do it? And I go, oh, yeah, like it's We've never like actually had a proper argument ever. We've no. been together for nine years. We're just so, so good. Final question. We're nearly, we're nearly, nearly so, there after almost yeah. two hours. We knew it would be a long one, but it's Oh my fine. God, has it been nearly two hours? Yeah. Jesus. Okay, so final question. Jack Asbury? Jack Asbury. I nearly said, no, I think it's Jack Asbury, actually. I nearly that said works. Jack Asbury. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, not We're sorry, it Jack. We're sorry. Jack Asbury um, asks... How did it feel being asked back for the Who Culture anniversary video a while ago? I started watching that channel while you were hosting it and I lit up seeing you at the end as the whole way through. I was thinking, oh, it would be nice if they got Rich back for the thank you. And then you appeared. There I am. Honestly, it was it was really nice. I... I'll, all right, I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I left What Culture, I unsubscribed from all the channels. I didn't watch anything. Didn't watch anything, didn't listen to any of the podcasts, anything like that. And to be perfectly honest with you, I still don't. Um, it's the kind of content that when you're when you're in the middle making it for four years, you get bored of it. Like because I was reviewing people's work, like freelance editors who were contributing videos and stuff, and I had to do feedback and go, oh, you messed this up. Can you fix this? Can you do that? Blah 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 blah. Sometimes people are good. Sometimes people are dicks. It's it was a pain. So I've watched so many list videos in my time. Watching anymore. Nah, not interested. Not interested in the slightest. Um, but Who Culture I always kept an eye on because it was the channel I had. As much as I was more, really most of my work was in the gaming channel. Um, Who Culture was sort of my baby, kind of, sort of, not really, because it was never really mine. Never that I ever really wanted it to be. Um, but I always kept tabs on how things were going with it and so on and so forth. Watch what content they were making and stuff like that. And... There was, a, there was a pretty constant thing at what culture that was re-uploading old content which was for me from wanting to be always be making good stuff making new stuff it always annoyed me but i wasn't the one calling the shots so i couldn't do anything about it and they uploaded uh when i said earlier in the video about how when who culture launched we did videos for the other channels to promote who culture and one of them was times doctor who appeared in video games so it went on the gaming channel I did the voice over for it. I can't, I don't think I edited it. I might have done, I can't remember. Um, and it got re-uploaded to the Who Culture channel because it's like, fair enough, it's it's not something they just uploaded an old video again, which they did a lot mm-hmm. uh, at What Culture. But when they reposted this video and it was after I'd left and they'd literally put in a pinned comment like, oh, this was made by Rich. He's on Twitter here. You can go see what he's doing now. It's like, do you know what? I'd have never expected that in a million years from the Walk Culture team. So when I saw that, I was genuinely touched by it. So when uh, Danny got in touch, who's an editor who I worked with on Who Culture back in the day, he's still at Walk Culture now working on Who Culture. You've seen him in some of the videos, actually. Um, he got in touch with me on Twitter and said, yo, we're doing this 100K thing and it's not going to be right to do it without you because at the end of the day, you're the one who launched the channel. You were the face of it for the first, you know, just shy of a year. Mm. So we need you back for it. And it felt, it felt really nice. And it, because while, and I've discussed this on like previously on Escaping Costebra and stuff like that, you know, my, my relationship with what culture as a company, it's not 
brilliant, I suppose, because of how not so much how things ended, but the the reason why my 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 departure came about were not good. My relationship with the people who are still there, like the the people on the ground making the content, is still very good. So being asked back, I had no bad blood. I was never going to go, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm not doing another What Culture video again. I mean, I cameoed in These Things Suck on um, the gaming channel with, o- I say with Osley. Osley's bit didn't get put in the video. Oh, no. <laughs> I just remembered, yeah, we shot stuff with me and Osley and Osley's bit didn't get put in. Um, but I cameoed in that, which was really nice. And people were excited to see me in the comments. So it was it, that was really nice. So I was never against doing cameos and stuff and appearing. I keep saying, I keep alluding, keep saying to Jules and Scott, I want to do a UBP with you because um, it'd be really cool um so yeah being asked back for the the 100k special was was very special to me and i'm glad that i was sort of taken into consideration i wouldn't have been offended if i wasn't because at the end of the day i left i'm not expecting to be continuing to get clout for being on the channel or anything like that but it was very nice when danny got in touch and you know i got to do a video alongside sean and ellie and will and danny like i i i barely spoke to sean when i was at what culture i think he was still quite new at the time he was working mainly on track ellie i've never worked with before because she started after i left but they have done such a great job with the channel you know the people who watch the channel really really enjoy what they have to say and their content's good so i'm mm. glad to see who culture still going it could have just been killed off like every other specific like what culture specific channel but it didn't it's still going it's over 100k it's really good to see and i was genuinely honored to be asked back again so it was very nice. Same again for 200k, 250, a million, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll get Who Culture on my channel when I hit 100k. Yeah, if I hit 100k. It'd be nice, but it's a lot of work. But yeah. we'll see yeah, how things go. <laughs> but that was indeed a lot of work. That was a lot of that questions. A lot of questions. But that's as far as I could see, literally every question I could find. If you did submit a question somewhere and we haven't read it out, I can only apologize, but I was mm-hmm. digging through YouTube. Um both on comments on a video and a post, Twitter across a couple of different posts, and then Spotify as well. I think that was all of them. If if we have missed any, apologies. We may do one of these again in the future. If you really enjoyed it and you got more things you want us to ask, want one thing to want to ask us, then uh, then let us know in the comments yeah. or on Twitter at Castapod or in the uh, Q and A question mentioned thingy on Spotify. Um, but yeah, this has been a nice long podcast chatting rubbish to each other. It's been nice. I can't believe it's been uh, two hours. <laughs> I know. It's actually That has actually gone quite quick. I think because really we haven't had to sit here and drum up what the next topic of conversation regarding an episode is going to be. We've just kind of yeah. gone, yeah, here's the next question. Easy peasy pie. So um, we thank you all so much for listening and or watching. If you can see us, got to remember we're on camera. Apologies for my, my camera going all just doing its own thing in terms yeah, of exposure, but it's a webcam. What do you expect? But happy new year to all of you. Again, hope you had a lovely Christmas. Um, we're very much looking forward to getting on with series four because next it's going to be yeah. Partners in Crime, uh, which will be coming in the next few weeks. Uh, and it's it's going to be good. We're going to try and stick with you a lot more over the course of this year. Uh, if you are not subscribed to me on YouTube, please do, because I know I have content on the way because I'm, like I said, I'm genuinely make more of an effort. And if you guys want to see it, please let me know and I will try my best. Yeah. So, yeah. Busy year, escaping Kostoberis, YouTube, and getting married. Yeah. Good grief. And then we're going to look for a house after that. Oh, God. It's all go for us. Ah, money, life. <laughs> Help. <laughs> we need to sell a lot of lunch dinner egg t-shirts to pay for a house. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. 
<laughs> Which was still done how yet. nobody was like, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, no, I don't blame any of you for not wanting a T-shirt that says lunch I think a few egg. people actually did want a T-shirt that says lunch oh, dinner did egg. did they? Remind <laughs> us, I'll tell you what, 2023 is the year of the lunch dinner egg T-shirt. It's finally going to happen. Mm, Amy, where, where can people find you on the socials? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at ames underscore Elizabeth. That is A-I-M-S underscore Elizabeth with a Z. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PickupChangeToe, which you now know more about, thanks mm-hmm. to Misha's question earlier. And of course, you can find Castapod on Twitter, at Castapod, for questions and updates and stupid memes and, I don't know, what else, whatever I remember I've got the account to log into to, to do stuff with. <laughs> like I said, yep. it's just kind of as and when. But we appreciate your time. Thank you all so much for submitting questions. Let us know if you want to see this again in the future. And join us next time series four donna noble is back partners in crime time for the fat to start walking i am excited have a great rest of your week take care of yourselves and we'll see you next time bye Bye. i remember to look in the camera (laughs) bye